Good morning. All right. Yeah, get started the new year with a little Tennessee weather. I, uh, when I looked at my little application this morning, it said it was four degrees. It didn't get down to four degrees, did it? It went up to six about nine o'clock. Oh, okay. <clears throat> well, it's supposed to be 60 on Wednesday. Uh, <laughs> so let's talk about transition, shall we? Yeah. <laughs> Would you stand with me and let's read from 2 Corinthians. Now the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. And we all, who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory, are being transformed into His image with ever-increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the Spirit. And Father, I thank you for the Spirit. Thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. And I, I pray that, that the, the Spirit would rest upon each one here, Father. Rest upon the words that are said, but even more importantly, upon, upon the ears that hear. I pray that you would anoint us. Let us, let us actually hear what you want to say today. And Lord, may our hearts be soft. May they be obedient in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, when Margaret uh, was carrying our first child, Isaac, um, this was back in 1979, we took Lamaze classes, which I didn't think they called them that anymore, but according to the first service, they still called them that. Is that... Okay, you people don't have babies, I guess. Uh, but anyway, we took, we took Lamaze classes, and uh, it, it was a kick. I, I, uh, I really enjoyed it. I mean, we uh, spent a lot of time laying on the floor with our eyes closed and meditating and stuff. And we also took time learning about all of the steps, all the processes in, uh, in childbirth. And there were two, uh, uh, two things in particular that I remember, two, two occasions I particularly remember in those classes. One was uh, when we first took the classes, we didn't know if we were going to do, you know, natural childbirth or whatever. Uh, <laughs> and Marcia's going, uh-uh. Uh, but the the moment the moment of decision came in the class when they showed us the needle that they used for an epidural and margaret turned to me and went we're doing natural <laughs> okay dear uh so you know we started practicing and you know all, all all that stuff and uh and got going pretty well the other was i remember us being taught about um about transition transition in childbirth is when it really starts happening I mean, that's, that's when things, that's when things really get going. Um, and it can be a particularly difficult time. It can be an upsetting time. It can be, uh, it, it can be a, a time of, of trial. It certainly, it certainly can be. But after transition, a child is born. And Jesus said, isn't she lovely? Yeah. Now, Jesus didn't say that. Je Jesus said, a woman giving birth to a child has pain because her time has come. But when her baby is born, she forgets the anguish because of her joy. A child is born into the world. Without transition, there is no new birth. And that's something to remember. 
That, that's something to keep in mind. If the leaves don't fall in, in autumn, then there's not going to be, you know, new little buds. There's not going to be flowers on the trees come springtime. The sap's not going to rise. There, there, no maple syrup without transition. And those, so there are good things that, that come from transition. Uh, the, this week and, and, uh, and the next five weeks, we're going to be doing a series on transition. See, change is inevitable. Ch- change is inevitable in, in our lives. We all change, and that's, and that's a good thing. Uh, I mean, obviously, there are some ways that you change as you get older that I'm not too thrilled about, but I don't want to stay where I am. I, I mean, this, this, what you see on the outside, that's just what you see on the outside. That, that's really not all that important. That's only going to be around for a little while. It, it's, what's, it's what's in here. It's that invisible part of us that will last forever. And that invisible part of me needs to change. And, and I remember when, when Christ first changed me, I remember when I, when I got saved, there was, a, there was a literal transformation that took place in my, in my life. And, and I'm grateful for it. I'm thankful for it. But it didn't all get done, bam, just like that, so that I'm now a completed whatever it is I'm going to be. And I know what that is. I'm going to be like him. And so change is inevitable, and at times it's desirable. Successful transition is by no means inevitable, on the other hand. And so we're going to, we're going to take the next, uh, the next five weeks, this week and the next five weeks, and we're going to talk about transition. Next week... Uh, um, the little baby that you saw in the picture up there, Isaac, who's now 37, is going to be here, and he's going to be telling a story of transition in his own life. 20, uh, 25 months ago, Isaac felt trapped. He, he felt uh, stuck where he was. And uh, over these next 25 months, God has done some incredible stuff in his life. And there's a, there's a story there, and you want to you wanna come and hear it for, uh, well, for at least three reasons. One, it's a really good story. It's as good as anything you're gonna you're gonna see on TV. In fact, they've had several people approach them about producing that story, but I don't know if that'll happen or not. But it'll be it'll be happening next week here. Secondly, some of you may feel trapped. You may be at a place in your life where you feel stuck, or you may have been stuck for so long that you don't even feel it anymore. You've you've resigned to it and you're reconciled to it because that's actually where he was for a while before it finally just got to the point where he couldn't stay there anymore. And you, this is a story of faith. You you need to you need it. It's a faith building story. But then thirdly, there's some really good lessons. There are some really great lessons to be learned for how a Christian deals with transition because it will happen in our life. This week. It's going to be a little different because we're going to address transition on a corporate level uh, here at Springhouse. And uh, so today is family information. Today is nuts and bolts. Um, but we're also going to give a biblical perspective that I think you can use in your own life and, and really to kick off this series. Uh, 2017 at, at, uh, at Springhouse is shaping up as a transition year. In fact, it's probably going to be the biggest transition year we've had since 1998. Now, not many of you were around here in 1998, but this is a photograph from 1998. They had color pictures back then. Uh, notice anything? 88. I've been saying 98, hadn't I? And y'all been paying attention. God love you. Uh, 
1988, uh, notice anything different? Yes, I used to wear ties. And, and that doesn't happen anymore, but, you know, I was young and foolish in those days. Uh, 1988 was a year of transition. 2004 was a year of transition here. Uh, it, was, uh, it was the year that we moved into this building. Making that transition, those of you who were here at that time, making that transition from the building we were in to this building had some challenges. It, it was not necessarily an easy process, but it's been and still continues to be a, a great blessing to this body and I think, I think to the community. Um, 2010 was also a, a transitional year for us. It was the year that we uh, uh, left the Assemblies of God and the year that we became Springhouse Worship and Arts Center. And, uh, and, and I believe that that's been, that's been a good thing. I, I think it's, <laughs> it's probably good for the Assemblies of God as well as for us. But, uh, but it was, uh, but, but we left with a blessing and, and that was, that's the way you're supposed to do things. Uh, that was a transition year. Uh, this year, uh, staff transitions are going to be taking place. And I, and I want to, I want to tell you about, about three of them today. The first one actually has already taken place. And, uh, and that's Steve and Jill Grossman. They, uh, has it been, uh, three years? Three years? Okay, for the last three years, they've been on staff as family life uh, pastors here at, at the church. And, uh, and this year, that has changed. But the Lord has opened up uh, other doors for them, another door for them. In fact, one that wouldn't have been open if they had remained on staff. Uh, uh, hopefully, during the next few months, they're going to be able to establish an office of uh, Branches Counseling Center here in, in Smyrna. And I think it's going to be a wider scope than, than what they've... Uh, yeah. Yeah, have at it. Uh, a transition that hasn't actually taken place yet, but that is in the process of taking place is our worship pastor, Wayne Berry. Uh, now, is that for Wayne or is that for the baby? <laughs> now, that's not, his, uh, that's not his son and that's not his daughter, who's the oldest baby. That's the baby you saw Margaret carrying earlier. That's, that, that, that's baby Isaac, and that was probably about 37 years ago. And it may be my favorite picture of Wayne. I, I, don't, I, I don't know. Uh, Wayne first came on staff here in uh, 1995, New Year's Day, 1995. In fact, he wrote a song for that day that still one of my favorite songs that, uh, that he's written. Uh, the transition was pretty abrupt. He wasn't the first uh, worship pastor we had. The transition was pretty abrupt and, and had, some, had some bumps, had some challenges in it. Uh, however, it was clear that God was in the move. I uh, mean, that, that was clear. And uh, here's, here are the nuts and bolts of what's happening. I mean, you say, well, he's, he was still up here this morning. Yeah, he's still on staff. Uh, Wayne is, uh, is, has pulled back to part-time and will be doing that for the next five months. Uh, and the gentleman who's going to take his place was the, uh, was the young man who was sitting uh, at the keyboard here today. If you could see him, Will Severe. Uh, Will uh, will be part-time for that five months. And then in June, Wayne will be stepping down and Will will take over full-time. Now, Will and his wife, uh, I'm having a senior moment here. I'm very sorry. Uh, Tisha. 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 
Yeah, Will and Tisha and their three sons just live a couple of miles up the road. Uh, you should invite them over for dinner. Yeah, and, uh, and you should invite them over to dinner, get, it, get to know them. They're, they're really super people. Uh, and I, I think, I think that they're going to do, that they're going to do a great job. Uh, during the time that Wayne's been here, and, and let me just say, as it gets closer, we're going to, we're going to take some specific time out to, to honor Wayne for what, what God has done through him here. Uh, but over the last, uh, 22 years, he has certainly impacted the worship life of this church, certainly impacted the way that worship uh, is done here, but he's also been impacted. I said 2004 was a transition year, and it was for us because we moved into this building, but it was also uh, the year that I went to Wayne and said, you're going to Africa uh, to lead a team to build a church. And he had never been out of the country before, and you never know what you're going to get with Wayne. You just don't. And so I didn't know if I was going to get in your dreams or, you know, or if I was going to get, uh, yes, I'm, I'm, you know, an angel appeared to me last night and told me that you would be coming and saying that I was going to Africa. Well, it was somewhere in between, but it was, he went to Africa. Let's put it that way. Uh, and since then he's been 26 times. So something kind of changed there. Something kind of, something kind of clicked. And as a result, God has really already spoken to Wayne about, uh, about transition and what, uh, what the next phase is, the next page for he and Jean. And um, Claudia Peterson is going to come out, and she's going to share a little bit about that. So would you welcome Claudia? And whether she wants to or not, she's going to use a microphone. Yeah. Thank you, sir. Yeah. Um, it is truly my honor to speak for Pastor Wayne and Jean concerning the transition. And I'll begin with um, where I stepped into the picture a little bit ago, like at 19, 20 years ago when dinosaurs roamed the earth. That's uh, when we met. Pastor Wayne was at a worship conference, and I was attending the same one at that time, my family and I were going through transition. We were attending another church, and we knew that we were about to be moved. Um, so I met Pastor Wayne at this worship event while my husband was meeting Pastor Ronnie at Smyrna Assembly, and it was meant to be. Um, knowing that I was involved in dance ministry, Pastor Wayne asked me to, um, invited me to come to Smyrna Assembly, and where there was very little room. This is not the room we were in. We were in the youth room with pews. You know what those are. And you can't move them unless you take them out. And we did take some out. How many of you were there? Gene, I know. Yeah, and we had to take some out because we danced. Um, but at the time, there wasn't much dancing, and, but there was hunger for it. Long story short, we came and we stayed. Through multiple transitions, uh, we, that is Pastor Wayne, Jean, 
and I have been friends. I've had the privilege to serve under Pastor Wayne's leadership all these years, either singing on platform, leading dance ministry, doing service projects, attending teaching seminars, conferences, and all the while gleaning from the rich, deep wells that so readily spring up from this intensely passionate worshiper, warrior, and prayer warrior. It was about 10 years ago that he asked me to join him and Jean and others on a ministry trip to Africa. My first of nine such trips. I have been privileged to go to Zimbabwe, South Africa, Botswana, Namibia, and Gambia. How many Gambians, right? They, the 65-hour Gambian, yes. Um, but every time, every trip, I would stand in awe at the hunger of the people of these nations for the things of God, for biblical pathways, and for connection with spiritual wisdom. When he shows up, Pastor Wayne is prepared and full to overflowing with seed to sow, whether it's for an audience of thousands or for one guitar player. The objective is the same, the vision is the same, making disciples. Matthew 28, 19, 20, Go therefore and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I commanded you. So, for those of us who have been on a mission trip with Pastor Wayne and Jean, it should come as no surprise as to the Lord's leading in enlarging their borders and sending them to those hungry nations. No, they are not moving to Africa. They are not leaving Spring House. Okay, that feels good to say it. Pastor Wayne and Jean are launching Outbound Ministries International, a new missions outreach. It's been established to help expand their current global ministry into other nations besides the ones they've been involved with for 12 years, primarily in Africa. Their heart is to continue to be poured out vessels, to continue to be ready, willing, and able to sow into the hearts and lives of pastors, leaders, and just plain hungry people who love Jesus and want to know, love, and serve him more. Outbound Ministries International, the first sojourn of, of OMI is later this month to Cuba. Pastor Wayne will be in the pulpit in several local churches sharing the word of God and will be participating in two citywide praise and worship concerts 
with Bishop Joseph Garlington and the Reconciliation Ministries International U.S. team. This is a one-week trip, and its budget has been funded. The next is in March of this year and is hosted by Gateway Church International Churches in Zimbabwe and South Africa. There will be pulpit ministry in these local churches as well as citywide conference. Um, Bishop Garlington and the Reconciliation Ministries International U.S. team will be involved as well. And this three-week trip has $3,000 of its $5,000 budget met. So $2,000 will need to be coming in very soon as the trip is a month away. Don't, don't change this. You know what? If you have a cell phone, you ought to, well, this is a suggestion. I'm not telling you what to do with your cell phone. But getting to know what the itinerary is, I mean, we love them. And knowing where they are will be really helpful because you'll know when to pray and what to pray for and what funding to pray for with him and them and us. So if you want to just take a picture of the slides, I would suggest that. I don't know if that would come out, but would it come out? Anyway, next. Five months later in August, September comes the six-week ministry trip to Zimbabwe where the annual WordFest conference with Pastor Clopas Chitapa and Cornerstone Fellowship International takes place. There will be pulpit ministry in a good number of local churches and regional fellowships. And then there's the Feast Conference at the Praise and Worship Center in Bulwayo, Zimbabwe. Jesse and sister. The projected budget for this trip is between 8500 and 10000 There is no funding in place yet for this trip. Yet. Then in March of next year, it's on to Namibia, Africa, where Pastor Wayne will be the keynote speaker at a nationwide worship conference hosted by 10 of the Cornerstone Fellowship International Churches. Then it's back to South Africa, where he'll be teaching at the annual conference hosted by Gateway Fellowship International with Bishop Garlington, and the Re uh, Reconciliation Ministries International U.S. team. This is a three-week trip with a budget projection of $5,000 currently unfunded. So that is the current projected itinerary and budget for Outbound Ministries International. Um, the next slide features Pastor Wayne's new book, Ponderings teachings upon which this very worship arts department has been founded, and some of the very seeds he sows when teaching abroad, raising up future worship pastors and leaders. They are significant to me as a person, as a worship leader, as a Christ follower, wanting to make Romans 12.1 a reality. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable, which is your reasonable worship. These are nuggets. These are, these are, this is just encapsulated the things he's been teaching us over the years. And it just, it, they, they do, they, you would do well to have these, uh, these principles and these teachings. The book is available to you right now. 
and can be purchased for $13 from Pastor Wayne and Jean, or it can be bought online from Amazon. All proceeds from that book go to uh, funding Outbound Ministries International. And um, as far as donations toward uh, Outbound Ministries International, I'm not speaking of tithes. Tithes are different, are separate. But offerings to OMI, the checks can be made out to Springhouse, okay, and noted for OMI. My privilege. Lastly, I'd like to share a two-minute video clip. Bishop Garlington speaking. He pretty much says it all. Pastor Wayne, would you just come up here for a moment? Can I have that, Donna? Don't worry about the tissue. Yeah, he doesn't need tissue. He cries all the time. He needs. He ought to keep a handkerchief with him. Just know what's going to happen. If you wipe that wipe stuff, that's right. All that stuff will just get all over your face, and little white little beads will be all over you. And if you were dark, they would really show up. But you're only dark on the inside. This man loves Africa. He loves this continent probably more than he loves his home. And if you haven't seen a white man dance, you should have been here the other night. But we have it on video and we will sell it to you at a special price. But I want to give this to you because it's an expression of our heart and our love for you. And thank you so much for coming to Africa and making the kind of deposit that you've made. It's, it's real clear to everybody here that you are intentional about ministry, worship, reconciliation, and this message is real to you. And I just so love you, and I just thank you for coming into my life. Now be sure to tell them to send you your royalties off of that as well. But people are singing this all over the world because we've made sure that they had it. Later this year, uh, toward the back end of the year, Pastor Bruce Coble uh, is also going to retire. Uh, Bruce, that was the that's the youngest picture of Bruce that I could that I could find. Uh, but that's uh, we've known him for a long time. In fact, we've known him longer than we've than we've known Wayne. Uh, but uh, he's going to step down in November. Bruce came on in 1989 because it was the right thing to do. Uh, from the from the uh, from the beginning, it was our desire that Bruce could sometime one day be a, a full time uh, missions pastor. Uh, when he came on, we didn't have uh, the funding really to support. Uh, we barely had the funding to support one pastor, much less two. Uh, in fact, I remember a lot of weeks sitting with Bruce and going, okay, you know, how much do you need this week? You know, cause that was just kind of the way it worked, but God made it work. And ultimately, uh, Bruce wore a lot of hats. He was, he was <clears throat> youth pastor. He taught Sunday school. He's worked in the nursery. You name it. Bruce has done it. But, uh, ultimately, I guess about 15 years ago, we were able to, uh, to actually see that dream come true of him becoming a, a full-time missions pastor, and, and he's led many of you on life-changing missions trips. 
uh, and probably has even changed more lives because of the vision that God gave him over at Weary. Um, and, and even now, I mean, uh, Bruce isn't here today because he's in, in Mexico leading a, leading a trip. I think we had uh, close to 30 who went on that trip. Uh, but Bruce right now is also stepping back to part-time, and the reason why he's doing that is to enable us to bring on some of the some of the staff that changes are going to be made to. That's the man's heart. I mean, I've known him for a long time, and last year he kept telling me, anything you need me to do for the church, I'll do that. And I knew he meant it because Bruce doesn't say things that, that he doesn't mean. Um, Alan Smith is, is being brought on in, uh, in, in the budget. He's been uh, discipling under Bruce now for, for the last, uh, oh, three or four years. And, uh, and come November, he'll take over a lot of Bruce's portfolio as Bruce steps down. Bruce isn't currently as specific about what the future holds as Wayne is, but I have no doubt that ministry will be involved for a long, long time. And I have no doubt that he and Jill will keep burning through passports by filling them up with all the visas that you can possibly put in a passport. Now, why? Uh, why? You know, for different people, it's for different reasons. I, I think I probably ought to go back and mention Elder Rodney. A lot of you know that he, uh, after over 20 years of teaching the Ruminators class, he laid that down, and he and Brenda felt like the Lord was calling them to be uh, in a church somewhere a lot closer to where they live. They live out in Rockvale. And the reason is because he, God spoke to him. And when God clearly speaks to you, well, Claudia made mention of that 20 years ago with her family. When God speaks to you and tells you to do something, I mean, I've said this many times, and Rodney even said it to me as we were talking about this transition. He said, you know, when God speaks to you, what are you going to say? No. Well, that'd be the the dumbest thing you possibly could say, because then you know you're walking outside of God's will. When God clearly speaks to you, you, you follow what he has to say. The Grossmans, on the other hand, the funding stopped. You know, God shut a door. And sometimes that's what God does. God shuts a door. They didn't realize. Now, when we, when we uh, talked to Steve and Jill about it, God had already really spoken to their hearts and kind of let them know, hey, this is coming. Uh, but they didn't know at the time that God was getting ready to open another door for them, which is exactly what he's doing. Uh, with Wayne and Bruce... We've been talking, I've been talking with them about transition for over five years, back, back before both of those guys, right, right as they were getting ready to turn 65. Uh, and like I said, you never know what you're going to get with, with Wayne. And so uh, I'd known him all these years, but we had never discussed this. And, you know, I had no idea if he was going to, at 65, if I needed to find a new worship pastor or if he was planning on going to 105. And he was planning on going to 105. Uh, but... Uh, that may not necessarily be practical. Anyway, after uh, after several years of talking about what transition would be, uh, they both, this last year, earlier in the year, uh, let me know that they were waiting for me to tell them. And that wasn't a job I wanted. But as I prayed about it and as I thought about it, I realized whether I wanted it or not, it was my job. Because it's not my job to hear from God for Wayne. It's not my job to hear from God for Bruce. But it is my job to hear from God for this body. Uh, and in fact, the reasons why they came was because God spoke to me and said, this is, this is who you're supposed to, to bring on and this is the time. And so really, 
why this is happening is this is the time. I really feel like that God has the people in place, that God has things for Bruce and has things for Wayne, and he has things for Springhouse. And there comes a time, you know, when it's just time to take out the keys and go, all right, it's your turn now. Uh, and I think this is going to be good. Now, is it going to be better or is it going to be worse? I don't know. It's going to be different. That I do know because Alan is not, is not Bruce and, and Will is, is not Wayne. And when change comes, uh, unless we're in a tough spot, when change comes either, either corporately or when change comes to our lives individually, uh, our first reaction is to resist. Our first reaction is to go, I don't know if I, because we get, we get comfortable in a situation. Uh, Jesus, a lot of you know that Jesus was, uh, told the, the parable about not sewing, uh, uh, a patch of new cloth on an, on an old garment because it would shrink and they'd both be ruined and not pouring new wine into old wine skins. Uh, and he closed it out by saying this. This is, this is what he tagged it with. No one after drinking old wine wants the new for they say the old is better. And the context in which Jesus was, was sharing this was a context where people were coming along and saying, hey, your disciples do these things. That's not the way our fathers did it. We've always done it this way. And Jesus was going, yeah, and you probably think the old wine's better, but things have to change at times. Transformation is our destiny. It's what's supposed to happen. And, and certainly there are times when we, in our own strength and in our own selves, change for the, for the worse. But when we're in the kingdom and when we're listening to God and when we're allowing God to do things, it's never for the worst. It's, it's, it's always upward and inward. And we can't judge by our standards. Surely the people hated to see Moses go. Moses was a hoss, people. He really was. He had done, in fact, it says here, uh, this is, this is how Deuteronomy ends. Since then, no prophet has arisen in Israel like Moses, whom the Lord knew face to face. For no one has ever shown the mighty power or performed the awesome deeds that Moses did in the sight of all Israel. You mean Moses isn't going to be our leader anymore? What's up? How, however are we going to survive? What they didn't understand was that Moses, as great as he was, as awesome as he was, doing things no one else had ever did, the one who led them out of Egypt could not lead them into the promised land. For them to get where they needed to go, there had to be a change. There had to be a transition. Could any change, could any transition ever be as wrong as Jesus leaving? his disciples. And yet, when Jesus got ready to do that, he said, I want to tell you, it's good for you that I'm going away. Because if I don't go, then the advocate will not come. But if I go, I'm going to send him to you. Now, the transition that's coming at at Springhouse, it will personally impact some of you more than others. It depends on your relationship with with Wayne and Bruce. Like Claudia said, you know, they're, they're not leaving, but they're their position will be changing. They'll be becoming emeritus, uh, whatever that is. I'm not quite sure, but I'll probably find out myself someday. But all of us face personal transitions on an almost daily basis. 
There's an old proverb that says, you can never stick your foot in the same river twice. And when you think about it, you can't. Because everything is changing in our lives all the time. Sometimes we don't see it because we're just not aware of what's going on. We've kind of become numb. But everything changes. All of you have changed since this service started. In fact, all of you have changed since I started this last sentence. You're older. Isn't that a wonderful thought? And with age comes wisdom. <laughs> Sometimes. Uh, and that can, be, that can be very discouraging in the, in the world, but there is one constant. There is one constant. Whenever Moses encountered God at the burning bush, and God called him to transition, and boy, did he ever call him. I mean, this man had been a shepherd for 40 years, and God said, I have a new job for you. You're no longer going to be a shepherd in the wilderness taking care of a few sheep. You are now going to enter international politics. You're now going to become a a national leader and lead millions of people. Not only that, I'm going to send you to do it in a place where you're wanted for murder. That's a transition, people. And Moses went, if I'm going to do that, I got to know who you are. And God said, let me tell you who I am. I am that I am. I am the one unchanging point. I, I am where you can, you, you can tie your tether to, to me. Because while everything else is, is, is moving and swirling around you, I don't change. Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, forever. Praise the Lord, he never changes. Praise the Lord, we do. And we read the verse earlier. It's what we started out with. We who with unveiled faces contemplate the Lord's glory are being transformed into his image with ever increasing glory, which comes from the Lord, who is the spirit. God has no intention of leaving you where you are. He has no intention of you staying the way that you are. These next five weeks, we're going to be challenging you to change, and we're going to be talking about change. We're going to be talking about transition, and if, and, and if you come, and if you're a part of this, and you're the same person in, in the middle of February that you are right now, then we failed, or so, somewhere, things have kind of failed. This is about, this is about changing. Now, here, here's, here's what I want to close with. In the world, change is inevitably downward. In the world, change is inevitably decay. In fact, Peter says that specifically, uh, but he prefaces it with saying that through God's great and precious promises, we are enabled to escape the inevitable corruption that is in the world, that inevitable process of rot that's in the world. And the way that we escape it is because in the kingdom, it's the, it isn't inevitable corruption. It is ever-increasing glory. And so you probably didn't come to church today. You, you probably never come to church going, man, I really want to change. You probably came going, you know, I'm feeling all right. And I'm in church. You're going to change. The only question is, is it going to be that way or this way? And a whole lot of it has to do with whether or not you're willing to embrace what God is calling you to. My life was changed 
by one sentence from my geometry teacher in the 10th grade. James S. Blair. I'll never forget the man. I'm sitting in a new school. I'm sitting with a bunch of people that I don't know. I'm sweating whether or not I can even even get... I barely got through Algebra 1. Can I, can I possibly get this second math class in uh, so that I can graduate one of these days? And Mr. Blair walks in, and he's a pretty big man, and he's kind of imposing, and, you know, and he, and he you know, not in the class, but you can tell he's been doing He smokes cigars, and he doesn't use a lot of deodorant, and there's chalk dust, you know, going kind of everywhere, and, and he, he sweats a little bit, and he walks into the class, and he starts out that, that, the first thing I ever heard out of that man's mouth was, students, let's enter this year with high spirits. And I went, whoa, I've never heard a teacher say that in my life. And it changed my life. Three years later, this boy who barely got through Algebra 1 was getting the math medal for the best math student in the class. And it's because I heard that call and I embraced it. I said, yes, you're going to be challenged over these next five weeks to hear a call and embrace it. And if you will, ever increasing glory, it will change your life. Would you stand with me? I was talking with some guys yesterday. But those who are going to pray with people, come forward. I, I was talking with some guys yesterday about, uh, about today, and I was going, you know, okay, well, what, what, what does the church need to hear? And uh, one of the things that came up, and I, and I went, oh, yeah, I probably should say that. One of the things that came up is, uh, this isn't, you know, if you come, uh, if you were to step out of time and, and come here 12 months from now, it's not like you're going to walk in and go, what is this place? You know, it, this isn't about changing what we believe. It's not changing about the direction of the church. Uh, it's, uh, it's still going to be Springhouse. It's just going to be different. It's going to be good. Uh, and we're going to be different and we're going to be good if you need prayer this morning you come we, we're a church that believes in prayer we believe that when we face challenges we believe that, that when, we, when we have things in front of us that we can't figure out when we need help there is help you can go ahead and come you don't have to wait till the music starts yeah and, uh, and that doesn't change so if you need prayer you come this morning if you don't worship with us for a few moments.